Chicago hard. Chicago hard. Chicago hard. Up and into them. Right from the start of the game. Gotta get those. Come on. They gotta feel them. They gotta feel us. They gotta get into them. Let's go. The name of the game is hit the ball, catch the ball, and get the fucking job done. Because you know why? Because when, when we play good, they send this single guy to this table and talk to them like a hero. When we f it up, I'm the one I gotta sit here and talk to you guys. Get your mouth shot, jerk. See that? That's your IQ, buddy. Zero. Defensively. Defensively. Just by taking the ball away. We didn't take the ball away enough tonight. Okay, we make a couple more shots. Our, our, our record's different. We get a couple Welcome more to the Chicago State of Mind. We are a Chicago sports podcast from the perspectives of three Southside guys with an unapologetic Chicago bias. If this city could talk, it would say Chicago versus everybody. I'm DC. I'm A-Dub. I'm Press. Fellas, what's good? Man, I can't call it DC. What's the good word? A dub, man. How you feeling, bro? I'm doing good over here, fellas. A dub, he was on uh, some vacation vibes for Labor Day weekend there, uh, DC. You have to. Where'd you go, A dub? Tennessee, man. I had a good time out there. Something different that I haven't done. So wanted to check it out. Listen, man, it's all about scenery and seeing different things and shit, man. Getting out of Chicago every once in a while ain't that bad, right? Right, exactly. Sometimes you need that. It's good for the soul right there. DC, what's new with you, man? Uh, you know me, just, you know, moving in traffic. <laughs> just, <laughs> trying, to adjust, uh, trying to adjust to the kids being back in school. So I've got one in class and then one that's doing e-learning because of a positive COVID test. So, Ooh, you know. We were just talking last week about the kids going back. And what I said to you, DC, I was like, man, hopefully it goes smooth. And they'll listen to this audience. Already a positive COVID test. Mm. Yeah, you know, uh, we're we not out of the dark just yet with this pandemic. So uh, it's, it's going to be a while. <laughs> yeah, got some time with that, man. I just hope everyone try their best to stay safe, man. Well, listen, as I said on the last episode, I just worry about these shorties, man. So I don't know, man. I, if they get through the whole school year, fellas, it'll be a miracle. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, that'd be a miracle, Perez, no doubt. Um, so far, I, I can't say it's... We on track to getting through the whole year. Looks like I've been hearing brewing up of things where kids have been missing school, you know, because of that reason. So that means, you know, a lot of students have been missing school because of that. So it's early. It's happening. Yeah, man. So we'll definitely see. But fellas, let's get into this episode. We got a lot to discuss. And I want to welcome our DeBear Essentials listeners that are going to be tuning into this episode. As you guys know, we told you there was going to be a week one preview for the L.A. Rams on this episode. As always. This podcast is brought to you by Crave It. Please join us on our exclusive community with Chicago Versus. You can find that app on Apple or Android applications. Fellas, let's get to it. So we got 9-11. The 20th year anniversary is on deck. Fellas, I can't believe it's been 20 years. And I'm going to tell you one thing. When I was thinking about that, I was like, I feel old as a motherfucker, man, thinking about that. That it was 20 years ago when that shit happened. And I can still remember where I was. I was actually in college, and I remember one of the um, students there at the college was like, hey, this is actually happening live. This is what occurred. It looked like a damn movie, man, when you saw it, the preview of what occurred. And I was like, wow. Still couldn't believe it happened, but it did. Yeah, same, same. I was in class. Uh, believe it or not, I was in U.S. history class. So I sit down. Teacher walks in, draws 
two towers on the board, puts an X in one of them. And I'm like, wait a minute, I thought we was going over something else. <laughs> like, is this in chapter three? Like, what's 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 going on here? Like, where what where are we at with this? So then he uh he turns on television and right there on the Today Show, boom, just happened live, you know, the second plane hit. So it was just unbelievable. No, it really is. And, and I, you know, so I'm gonna really show my age on this audience. So when it happened, I was in my first year working at the Chicago Board of Trade. So I lived in Bronzeville at the time. So I used to take the green line to work. I didn't have no smartphone. I don't even know if smartphones exist back in 2001, but I had one of those Nokia phones that had that snake game on it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, don't say that again, bro. Don't say that. <laughs> oh, shit. That's the phone I had, A dub shit. That's all I had. <laughs> I thought Damn. I was a sh- Listen, I thought I was the shit with that game. I said, kill that damn snake. Fuck that snake. But anyway. Um, right. <laughs> Man. But the point I was making is, this is before social media. It was before getting alerts on your phone. So I'm on the green line, chilling. Had my iPod, listening to some Luther Vandross. I'm chilling, living my best life. I get downtown, bro. And it was just like chaos. I'm seeing people in droves going the opposite direction of where I needed to get to. I see news trucks. But I'm still listening to my Luther. I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but that's their problem. I keep walking to work. All of a sudden, I hear somebody, Chris, what you doing? I'm like, I'm going to work. I'm late. He's like, you ain't going to work today. He's like, they flying planes into the White House. I was like, wait, what? The White House? I heard that. You know that brother in me. I'm like, I turned right back around. I never even reported to the office. I'm like, nope. <laughs> they flying planes into the White House. I am not going to that tall-ass building at the Board of Trade. Never reported to work. Took my ass right back to the train. Took that red line to 87th Street, and I went to my grandma's house. And I didn't watch that shit on TV. I still, at that point, DC, you were lucky. Because you got to watch and see what was going on. At this point, this is 945. I still had no idea what was going on. When I got to my grandmother's house, it's like 10 10 a.m. And now I'm watching this for the first time. And I'm like, are you serious? This happened on U.S. soil? Couldn't believe it. Could not believe it at all, Perez. Like I said, when I saw it, man, it looked like a movie. Like, this is real? This is real. Then people start crying, and that was the end of it right there, Perez. Man, and but so when you think back to that, I mean, almost 3,000 people lost their lives. And there was another plane that they ended up grounding in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. That could have been a horrible, because I think that one was aimed for to go to the Pentagon, right? It could have been even more catastrophic. I mean, so when I think about that, I think about the people that lost their lives. I think about the families that are left behind from that, because they still... <laughs> Time doesn't do anything to make that, you know, situation less hurtful. Those people still feel that. And so I just really feel, you know, bad for those people. And just, I just think back to the times of how now when something happens, we get alerts to all, all of our devices. Back then, it's two hours after that happened. I still didn't really have a clear understanding of what was going on. That, that just goes to show you how long ago that was and how far technology has gone. Yeah. I told totally a group do that, Perez. Technology have, man, been, has been advanced so far. Since then, because you're right, I was walking to my um to class, and you know it's a big facility where you kind of see what a t- television there. If I have not seen the television press and a young lady standing there, I would never have known that something had occurred. You know, and 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 as you mentioned, there was no social media, so no. you know alerts like nobody could text you to back then. Texting <laughs> that costs you like ten cents per text. Exactly. You know, like after seven or nine o'clock or something like that. So wasn't too many texts going out in two thousand one. But but yeah, man, it was just unbelievable because you know those planes, 
I just remember thinking like, man, what if one's headed towards the Sears Tower? You know, mm-hmm. what if, you know, like, what if they bomb us? You just don't know yeah. in that moment. Cause it's like, all right, cool. Like we're, we're, we're safe. We're good for today. Like, you know, after things kind of died down a little bit, like, you know, in the, in that, that week that followed was just crazy, you know, but mm-hmm. it was like, all right, I don't think it's going to be as bad as it could have been, but it's still pretty bad. So, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, and I'm with you there, DC, because I'll tell you that next week was crazy. I saw everybody rushing to the gas stations to get gas and, and you started hearing about the gas prices going to go up. I was like, wow, all this is changing everything. And again, I wasn't in Chicago for us. I'm at college, right, with all this going on. So right. it was a unique situation when I saw all those cars pulling up at these different gas stations. But imagine being out there for us. I know you had a cell phone. Imagine not having one. I'm just out there, brother. And it was just, again, just seeing things, seeing the people and getting word of mouth information. That's kind of tough as well. So wait a minute. Hey, Dub, you ain't had no cell phone and you was coming for me because you were talking about I had that Nokia phone, bro. Come on now. Hey, I, <laughs> <laughs> hey DC, you see how he slipped that in? <laughs> your your pants, you go ass motherfucker. <laughs> I, hey, look, that's what I had to deal with, man. I, I ain't had no funds, friends. I couldn't afford no Nokia or nothing, man. You had to upgrade it with a Nokia, so you were all good, brother. But no, but I mean, but to your point, you're right, man. It, <laughs> I mean, it was just a tough time all the way around because you sit, you saw people, they were scared. They didn't know what was going on. And me personally, right. I didn't go into the office that day. So I was a no-show for work. Didn't even care. I didn't go back to work until like a week later. When I showed back up in the office, then my boss going to pull me to the side. He's going to say, hey, did you attempt to come into the office that day? I said, nope. And he was like, well, that's uh, abandoning your job. And I said, listen, man, I didn't know what the hell was going on. And you telling me that I was supposed to come and sit at my desk for one minute and then leave out. He was like, oh, well, you know, we have to uh, let you know when the building is evacuated. We didn't evacuate the building until like 1022. I'm like, yeah, well, guess what? I was like, my mind told me that I just need to evacuate myself from downtown. So I just made that decision. So if you guys got to write me up, do what you're going to do. But he didn't write me up. But I thought that was kind of weak that I'm like, you're going to come at me, bro. This this situation was a scary thing. I'm like, man, right. I, ain't got, I ain't got time for this. Yeah. I ain't fooling with these folks. Bad idea by the uh, manager coming at you that way during that, during that time, man. This is a, a unique situation here. This is not normal what's happening in the world. No, nah, man. He was a hater, though. He was a hater. And what's, what's unfortunate, though, is 20 years later, people of, uh, you know, Muslim people or, you know, people of Arab descent still facing a lot of that that discrimination because you know we saw that like immediately afterwards too like you know they had a really hard time so it's just it's it's tough to see that you know even though we've become more connected as as a society you know people of you know color are still being discriminated against we've seen it this year the asian hate black lives definitely do matter (laughs) i'm on the record saying that here uh but you know just why are we isolating these groups still you know let's 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 chill with that no, I mean, that's a fair point. I mean, and speaking to that, another group that I feel like gets isolated is individuals that are suffering from some sort of mental health episodes. And people right now, as we talked about on previous episodes, are hurting right now. There's a lot of people that are facing their internal demons. And I'm appalled by the way that people are treating Naomi Osaka, fellas. Like, I saw her frustrations uh, in the U.S. Open when she lost. And those fucking fans were booing her. And I'm just sitting here thinking, did you guys not listen to this woman tell about her struggles and things that she was dealing with 
and that is how you treat her because she didn't entertain you guys the way that you wanted to be entertained. I'm just like sick of this shit. Like the way that people treat athletes is just, it's disgusting. Yeah, Perez, I'm with you there, man. It, it's rough hearing that. And she's a young lady who really loved tennis. And now they've actually made it very difficult for her to really like the sport again, you know, with all these high expectations. She don't do well. All the um, the hate she gets towards her way. It makes it very tough to do your job. And for a young lady like her who have some self-esteem issues that she says she admits to having, it's, it's tough, man. I do feel really bad for her, man. I think that people need to relax and give this young lady a break, man, for sure. And you got to realize, too, she's only 23 years old and she has achieved her pinnacle. She's achieved greatness. You know, she doesn't have to do a single thing for the rest of her life. I think she lives in like a seven million dollar mansion. Yes, sir. Right. Ready elevated herself far beyond what most of these critics and cynics and haters will ever do because they're sitting there, you know, tweeting about her or booing her. And, you know, they're in the stands for a reason. You know, she is where she's at for a reason. So if she wants to take a break to go rediscover her love of the game, like the great, right. like the GOAT MJ once did, then cool, let her be. You know, we like you said, President, we're living in a different time with different fans and different expectations mm-hmm. and just different perceptions. And we really, really got to give this young lady a break. Yeah, I mean, in, in her own words, I mean, she was breaking down in tears, basically saying, look, at this point, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do. And she's like, I honestly don't even know if, when I'm going to play my next tennis match. Now, A-Dub, as you mentioned, she's had great accomplishments in her career. I mean, she's won so many Grand Slams. She's won multiple U.S. Opens. And she right. did that in a short amount of time. And I don't think that people understand that a lot of these athletes that have the pressure on them to succeed and they succeed at a high level, this stuff can kind of crush people internally. And that's what you're seeing right now with her, where this stuff is starting to really eat away at her. And instead of booing somebody when you see them having a little bit of an episode or outburst, because she was having outbursts, she was, you know, kind of throwing her racket and she was not having a good time out there. That's when you rally behind somebody. You don't yeah. boo them. And you know what's sad, Press, was really watching her um, post-game interview after she had a match and after all the booing and all that stuff happened to her, right? And how she was showing a little frustration out there. She talked about that, you know, when she wins. You know, it, it don't feel the same anymore. She don't feel happy if she wins. She feel mm. more like a relief, Prez, if she mm. wins. That's tough, right? The city, you feel you call it a relief when you win. That's because of expectations. And then she said when she loses, she feel very sad, Prez. Very sad. She was teary-eyed as well that you mentioned. And it's like, man, we put so much on this young lady that we don't need to do all that. She accomplished, like you said, so much throughout this process that, hey, she loses. All we need to do is salute the other person who won and leave it at that. Why boo her? Because she lost, you know? People lose matches all the time, Perez. And I think they go too far with how they treat her. This young lady does not deserve that type of criticism like that from fans. And if I could attempt to get inside of her mind for one second to to think of what she's going through in that position, I'm sure she's had the thought like, hey, I have to live with myself for the rest of my life. So this 16 match or major win streak it don't really matter in the grand scheme of things because i have to be at peace with me at 30 at 40 at 50 at 60 and then these same people that are booing me right now they're gonna see me on the street and recognize me you know and, and then what are they gonna say then you know how am i gonna be able to handle that then like i gotta be able to handle it now so 
I applaud her for stepping away to be like, all right, what do I need to do in order to be who I am? What it comes down to, and this is something that I've always thought about fans, when an athlete is performing for them and doing what they want the athlete to do, they're all for it. But when an athlete decides that they want to take a stand, whether it's social stand that they want to take, or they want to take a stand for their mental health, then people have a problem with it. So when I saw the people booing her because she wanted to stop playing, that's all that was. All that was was that was people's retaliation for her because she stepped up a few months ago and said, look, I'm not going to be doing these interviews with the media and I'm going to step away. They didn't like that shit at the time. And we know what this is. You can see how some of them still resent that. But guess what, Perez? On a good note, with her stepping away from the game, hey, she started herself a new skincare line. So salute to that. You know, take your time and do what you got to do. Step away from the game. Do what you want to do, young lady, like what DC was saying. Skip all, all that extra hate that's going on that people throwing our way. Hey, they're going to do that anyway. Apparently, they're going to do it anyway. So for her, do what you got to do, young lady. And if that means stepping away from the game and doing you, do that too. Listen, she has, you know, as I just said, already hit her pinnacle in the sport of tennis. You know, there's not too many people out there that can touch her, uh, especially at the age of 23. So what if she does want to just say, like, you know, take that Kobe Bryant route and just say, hey, you know, I was great on the basketball court. Now let me be great at uh, at storytelling. So what if she does want to step away from tennis and just see how great she can uh, ascend to in some other field or some other uh, avenue? So, you know, that's that's totally up to her. But as fans, we got to we got to respect that as people. We got to respect that. I mean, that's a good point, DC. I mean, at the end of the day, she's the only person that has the right to decide what her next chapter is going to be. That's not for any of us to try to write that for her or decide that for her. So at the end of the day, I think she needs to be allowed to have the space to do what's best for her. Now, one thing that I did want to do is I did want to talk about the WNBA's 25 greatest players. So that came out. It was really dope to see that that was something that they put into play here because we saw that the NBA, they've had their greatest 50 players list and it's been out there for many decades. But now the WNBA had their collection of 25 players. So I want to get you guys' thoughts on the list because there was an impressive amount of uh, players that made this list. Man, Perez, that was an exciting list. Um, You know what made it more exciting to me was the fact that they didn't just pick 25 women who were retired. They actually picked 10 who was actually started, who was currently playing right now. And I was happy to see Candace Parker name on there, right? Diana Taurasi, right, who's been around a, a long time now doing her thing. Brianna Stewart. It's like, we see a lot of great young ladies right now who are playing. And Perez, you and I got to see Tina Charles. She was on oh, the yeah. list. So it's like, man, these are some ladies who really shown us a whole hell of a lot, Perez, in this era. Another impressive name, uh, Sylvia Fowles, who came through and, and led the charge for the Chicago Scott years ago. You know, I saw names like Simone Augustus, names like, uh, you know, again, Brittany Griner. Uh, I did happen to notice that, you know, the WNBA has had way more than 25 greats. You know, they, they could have kept going with this list. Hats off to all the ladies that were in the conversation, you know, the next 25 years uh, are going to be even greater. No, I agree. I mean, so to the point that you guys both made, you guys brought up some notable names. Sue Bird, you guys know how I feel about her. She made the list. She's the oldest of the current players on the list. But do you have Brianna Stewart, who's only 27, who's still writing 
her WNBA career, and she made the list at 27 years old. So it just goes to show you, wow, this game is in good hands. And you guys mentioned some of the retired players. Let's not forget about our girl Cynthia Cooper. That right. Houston Thomas team back in the day, they was badasses. So she made it. Becky Ham has made it. And a shout out to Cappy Pondexter, Chateau legend. She made that list. Yes, sir. And Fred, Cynthia Cooper, he's called her Baby Jordan. I mean, she made the list, of course, she should have. I mean, Maya Moore is another one right there, Fred, who still can be playing right now. But, you know, she kind of retired and did the civil thing with trying to um, get the guy off, um, you know, um, out of jail. And, and, matter of fact, she won that case. They won that case. She's a big part of that. That's the guy she ended up marrying. But, yeah, mm-hmm. she actually put her career on hold to do that. So it just shows you that, hey, someone like her really made a big statement even when she retired from the game. But definitely she still has some more game left in her if she wanted to play. Yeah, because well, she hasn't played since the 2018 season. But she won a ton of championships for that Minnesota Lynx team. She's a, she's a man. She's a beast. Baller. Yes, sir. Also, don't forget about Cheryl Swoops. Speaking <laughs> of that Houston Comet team, she was badass, too. So there was so many notable players on that list. So many so notable players. Yeah, man. Loaded team here. And you know what? Salute to WNBA for even throwing this list out there, Perez. That's a big deal to me. I don't take it lightly. I think these young ladies really are the ones who did a lot for the sport itself, did a lot for women as well. So I salute to all these young ladies who made the list. And like DC was saying, there's much more than just them who actually done a great job. But definitely, I have no issue with these 25 at all. Hey, the next 25 years... We're going to see even more names added to the list. But, yeah, DC, you were right about that. There were some probably people that got left off. But, hey, they got that opportunity now into the next 25 years to make their mark. So I was really happy to see that the WNBA recognized some of these ladies that have been very beneficial for putting this league on the map and making it a success that it is today. And if I could just throw out a personal suggestion for the next 25 years, y'all need to lower the rim. We want to see more of these ladies dunking on each other. You know, let's let's just keep it real. That's what makes basketball exciting is the posters. So uh, to have only Candace Parker and, and Lisa Leslie dunk, come on now. Yeah, we got to lower that rim. I'm just going to tell our listeners of Chicago State of Mind podcast and the Barrett Central's podcast, those views are DC's views only. I don't believe <laughs> that the rim should be lowered. I think that we're in a world of equality. So if they can't dunk on that fucking rim, then guess what? You don't need to be dunking. I'm with Perez right there. Because those young ladies, even though they're not dunking Perez, they can shoot the lights out that ball, man. So, hey, they still make an impact with that rim being that size. They do. (laughs) Come on, y'all got to hear me out on this one. Like, I know you want to see Liz Cambage posterizing people like Shaq down there. Well, I mean, I know you want to see that. Like, that would, come on, man. Like, just to see, like, a little layup floater. Come on now. Like, like yeah, the, the WNBA game is, is pretty. It's very finesse right now. But it could use some edge. And that's all, that's all I'm saying. That's all Listen, I'm saying. That, that, that comment has been said before. I remember Shaquille O'Neal, he said that on Inside the NBA. And Candace Parker ate him up for it. And so all I'm going to say is Candace Parker did not like his comment. And so... What I think of when I think about that situation, if our world is what it is, then I just think that maybe these women are just going to have to evolve their games a little bit more. So if if they want to evolve this game, they're going to have to pick it up athletically. So I think that's what it just comes down to. But I don't think I feel like if we lower the rims and it's almost like basically saying that 
oh, well, you guys aren't good enough to do it on a regulation room. You know what I mean? I just feel like that's kind of like the example that we're saying. Maybe they just need to have some different training. I don't know. Well, I will say this, Prez. If you got Brittany Griner saying she can beat DeMarcus Cousin to 101, we don't need to be lowering no rims at all, brother. You know what? She could at this point in the career because I don't know what the <laughs> hell happened to DeMarcus Cousins. <laughs> that's what she said, though. <laughs> that man went from boogie to boogie man. I don't know what the fuck happened. I'm like, who is this guy? Shit. Hey, it happens, man. Those injuries add up, brother. You know how it go. <laughs> what y'all think about Shaquille O'Neal's comments about the Bulls? You already know how I feel about Shaq. He hates half the time. He was hating on the WNBA, Candace Parker. But what do you think about that? He said that, listen, he feels like what we've done this offseason is an experiment and we won't win a championship. Fellas, talk to him. You know, a lot of people may feel that same way, Perez. So I'm not going to disagree with that part of it. But experiment, I don't think it's an experiment that we're doing. I think we've gotten better. We upgraded our team. Then he goes along to compare us to the Golden State Warriors just trying to play that small ball thing like that. And I'm like, we're not really trying to be Golden State Warriors. I mean, we got a guy who can really post up very well, right? A big man, a center that's going to get 20, you know, a game. And he's not going to get 20 a game shooting threes. So it's like, really, we're not trying to be those teams. But experiment, I don't agree with Shaq on that. Just knowing who, who Shaq is, he's a very generous, giving, but he comes from a tough love background type of guy. Whenever he throws shade or challenges somebody or has a differing opinion, I feel like it's coming from a place of, hey, I want to see you do well. And in recent years, Shaq hasn't said anything about the Chicago Bulls. So to get him to even mention us is is, is big. And for him to say, yeah, we're not going to win a championship this year, that's cool. We may not this year, but he is on, or well, the Bulls are on his radar. You know, though he right. respects what we're doing. And to compare us to Golden State, who went to all those finals, I feel like that's some that's some pretty pretty, pretty high praise right there. DC, hell of a point. Because I was kind of thinking that too. Once I got past the part of like, Shaq, don't be talking about my team. But then on the second part of it, I thought, damn, I do like that you're talking about my team because now you're recognizing my squad. Because before you ain't see us. So now he's over here talking about us and comparing us to the Golden State Warriors. And you know why he's doing that? Because he sees that they're going to have four smalls on that team and they're going to fucking spread it out. And that's the Golden State Warriors playbook right there. The only thing that I just felt that I didn't like about the comments is the fact of Shaq. Now, to DC's point, he does have kind of like that tough love aspect of when he kind of comes for people. But I still remember those comments that he made about Donovan Mitchell when he was interviewing him. And Donovan Mitchell was kind of just like respectfully like, yeah, okay, I see you, bro. But I kind of see that you hate at the same time. So Shaz kind of got a track record sometimes of his motivation, as he calls it. Sometimes it just comes off as just a dude that just be hating. I mean, listen, the shit that he do with Dwight Howard, that shit's kind of silly to me. I'm like, he needs to knock that shit off. Like, let that man be. You know what I mean? So some things with Shaq, I'm just kind of like, bro, what are you doing? You being a weirdo. You, you won all these championships. You're worth half a billy. Like, come on. Stop it. Yeah, I hear you on that, Prez, but I didn't look at what he said to Donovan Mitchell. I didn't kind of take it as hate. You know, I, I took it as a motivational thing. I thought what he was trying to do was challenge him, like you were saying, what he did with others. And I say, I thought the same thing as well with the Bulls. You know, maybe you want to challenge the Bulls to see what they can do um, moving forward to prove him wrong. And he's been proven wrong before. I mean, he's starting to give certain guys credit for what they deserve now, something he didn't do in the past. So I see a little change in Shaq from that perspective. But overall, I mean, he see us now. I'm happy about that. To what DC was saying. But did he accept Kobe's challenge to him when Kobe told him to show up to training camp in shape? 
<laughs> nah, he didn't take that one <laughs> at all. So that's all I'm going to say. It's easy to sit up here and put stuff out there, but can you take it? Because you was feuding with that man for years, and they could have won six straight championships. That's so, true, Chris. I when, I think, when I think about him and his little comments, I'm like, bro, you was out there eating all the Krispy Kreme donuts you could find in L.A. This man just asked you, can you just come to training camp in shape? Couldn't even do it. Get That's it. all I'm saying to y'all. So all right. Just, no, so I'm with you. I'm not trying to shoot the messenger. Because listen, Shaq's a legend. Hall of Famer. Done great things for the community. All that stuff. Listen, I want people to hear me. I'm not trying to come for him. But I got a Chicago bias. And you ain't going to sit here and talk about my team like this, Shaq. I swear to God, you're not going to talk about them like that. Now listen. <laughs> You may be right that we may not win a championship, but I don't want to hear you say that. That's true, Fred. Don't worry about the Bulls. Sit your ass on that set <laughs> and them tablecloth-ass suits and don't talk about my team not winning the championship. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I will say this to you, Perez. Shaq has known to be petty. If you hear this comment you're making right now, he'll probably be hitting you up somewhere on Twitter. <laughs> see, I heard you, Perez. He has not been one of the guys who can take criticism very well. As you can see, everyone that criticizes him, he has to come back at him, right? And it's mm-hmm. unfortunate, but that's just Shaq. So I'm with you there, Perez. When it comes out to his career, he thinks that he's, in a way, acts like he's been perfect, but Shaq had falls too. Speaking of Chicago bias, I mean, I will say this. You know, I was out, you know, doing my lifting over the weekend last weekend. And it was a pretty big festival, North Coast Fest. And Shaq was DJing there one of the nights. So, you know, he got a little taste of Chicago, no pun intended. So I'm pretty sure, you know, with those comments, he wouldn't mind coming back, say, you know, late May, June-ish, if the Bulls could make the Eastern Conference Finals, you know, let's say TNT's carrying those games. You know, I I mean, I'm pretty sure Shaq, can rock with Chicago, but if you look at the way he he positioned it, like, hey, you know, they're gonna run four smalls, you know, like that, like that formula has worked, and he knows a guy like Zach Levine is hungry. He knows that he works and he puts in that effort, so he's giving him bulletin board material because I'm telling you, he wants to be back here for Memorial Day, you know, next year, 2022, coming into summer, man, it's gonna be a nice time if the Bulls can make it that far. Yeah, we'll see. He'll be reminded of when Jordan and them boys sent his ass home when he was in Orlando. (laughs) That's sweet, baby. That's sweet. (laughs) I'll never forget that, boy. I'll never forget that, Perez. Man, great times for our Bulls. Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen redemption. Yep. Horace, after all that celebrate, I'll never forget that blast made him (laughs) carrying Horace off the court. I'm like, Horace, how dare you? How dare you? Anyway, I'm not going to digress because we're going to talk about that situation on, on another podcast because we're going to do our own debrief of The Last Dance. But that's not for today's show. Yes, sir. What I do want to talk about, though, is the Bulls have finalized the remaining part of the roster. We picked up Alizé Johnson, Stanley Johnson, Matt Thomas. DC, I'm going to come to you first. What were your thoughts on Alizé Johnson? Because I like that pick a lot, but I wanted to see what you thought on it. I like the promise and the potential of it. Because when you look at guys you're filling out the roster with, it's not Cristiano Felicio. It's a young guy that has proven in limited minutes that, you know, he's hungry. You know, he's not out there fumbling the ball around and just, you know, just just there just to be a victory cigar. Like, he was on the Brooklyn Nets. He was on the Brooklyn Nets. Let me say that again. The same Brooklyn Nets that have, that have KD, Kyrie, James Harden. When you've got mm-hmm. that in your locker room, 
mm-hmm. and you're a young player, 22, 23, 24 years old, in that range, and you're looking at these greats, how does that not make you want to get up and get in the gym and work on your game? So if he is, you know, 14th man up, 13th man up, and then he has an opportunity to, to crack that rotation and then has an opportunity to, to say, like, back up a, a Patrick Williams, and he's only a couple years older than Patrick, Patrick Williams, I'm, I, I think he's going to take advantage of the opportunity. Alizé Johnson, great pickup. Stanley Johnson, great pickup. Lottery pick. 2015, eighth overall. Shooting, a little bit questionable. Defense is there. He's finding a way to stay in this league. Matt Thomas, hey, hats off to him. He has that same opportunity. Younger player, guard, but hey, man, like you got some competition in that backcourt. What are you going to do about it? So I like the way... Again, we say this a lot on this podcast, but I like the way AK and Mark Eversley are building this team because they're not filling them out with older vets at the end of the bench. Although it's it's very valuable, but we're getting hungry guys that want to push our rotation guys in practice to be better. So I want to go back to the Alice Johnson piece because A-Dub, I don't want to get your two cents on that signing because DC did bring up a lot of good points. He talked about the fact that that exposure that Alizé had in that Nets locker room, being around a KD, being around a Kyrie, being around a James Harden, that is experience is going to be invaluable to him. And the only reason why he made it onto the free agent market was because Millsap signed with the Nets. So I wanted to get your thoughts before we talk about Stanley Johnson and Matt Thomas. No, I think you guys hit some great points with the press. You in D.C., this kid can bring something. You know, he can bring a lot of energy. He has that. The capability on defense, he has that as well, Press. And one thing he, I, I would like about him is that now he understands how to win. He's been around the right guys who actually gave us some kudos, some tips on how to be a vet, right? How to be the play, how to play winning basketball. So now he understands his role. And he got that clarity there. So coming to Chicago, he understands, come off the bench, hey, what I can provide to this team. So I got to get the uh, AK and those guys credit for bringing this guy on the team. And the only thing, too, that I like about this guy's game, versatility. He's going to be one of those guys that's going to be able to crash the boards and score on the inside. I think that's going to be really valuable to have the backup Patrick Williams at the four spot. So I'm really excited about that one. But now to D.C.'s point where he was making when it came to Stanley Johnson, this is also another prospect that I really liked. I mean, even coming out of Arizona and college, guys, he was one of those guys that I said he came out of college with an NBA body. And he was always known as having a solid, like, defensive type of game. However, the thing that with Stanley Johnson that has never materialized in the NBA is the offensive side of the game. But I was really happy with this signing because I think this is going to be something that we need on this team, and that's more defense. But, fellas, what do you guys feel with Stanley Johnson and what he's going to be able to bring on that defensive side of the of the, uh, of the court? Chris, when it comes down to Stanley Johnson, most people would know who he is had he not played in Detroit, right? Detroit pretty much have not been doing well over the years, right? And he played for them. But the thing about him, though, that what you see, what you saw from him is that, like you said, his defense. And the guy can also score a little bit. He may not be a great shooter, but he know how to get to the basket press. He know how to make plays on the offensive side of the ball. So he doesn't give up much at all, right? When he played good defense and he also can play a good offense. So you got a guy that really can play two ways, just not a great shooter at that. But he can put the ball on the floor. He can do his thing. So I like what he does, man. And I think this is a great addition to the Bulls because guess what? They don't lose a beat, man, once they start making subs when it come down to defense. Defense to what? what win championships. So this adds to the loaded depth that's on that bench right now. 
And I like the tools that Billy Donovan now have at his disposal. Because you look at you look at Alex Caruso, known as a defender. You look at Stanley Johnson now, known as a defender. You know, you'll have Patrick Williams in there sometimes running with those guys. Mm-hmm. You know, so the whole idea is with the talented starting five that you have offensively, we should be able to come out of that first quarter with a considerable lead. You know, we should be able to hopefully shoot them out of the first quarter with that much talent. Now, when your second unit comes in, keep that lead. Mm-hmm. And that's going to start with the defensive end. So when you could throw that, uh, throw a guy like Stanley Johnson out there for a few minutes or, you know, spell a few guys, hey, man, he can come up with a, a huge huge play Troy Brown Jr. again a defender I really really like what they're doing and how they're spacing it out and balancing it out I think Stanley Johnson is going to be probably battling Troy Brown Jr. for minutes off the bench in that role but one thing that I was thinking about is where is he going to play at because a lot of his time last season he was at the four and they even played him some at the five so it'll be interesting to see how the Bulls use him but it didn't surprise me when I saw the Bulls pick him up. Because you guys remember that game last year when Stanley Johnson put 35 and 10 on us, right? <laughs> so he can't remember that shit, too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. That was an audition right there. Yeah, it was. So, DC, you were talking about Matt Thomas. And this is a guy that I think is a training camp addition, great shooter. But did you guys have anything that you wanted to add just in addition to that on this guy? But I think for him... He's someone that could have a chance of maybe sticking, but he's going to have to have a big-time training camp. Me personally, first off, welcome. You know, hopefully you can make the team. If not, at least on a two-way deal. This may be a situation where he has to run with the G League for a while. And, you know, like we saw with Shaq Harrison, Shaq was an undersized guard. But, you know, he was hungry. And that was the point I was making earlier. You know, uh, Matt Thomas, you just have to be hungry because – there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of competition in that backcourt. So for you to crack the rotation, we're either going to have to get hit heavy with injuries or you're just going to have to come in and, and carve a niche. He has to identify his identity, what he's going to be, what type of player he's going to be. So that's going to take a lot of work on his side of the table to really figure that part of it out. But that comes with growth, right? Learning your game, what you can do well, and also working on your game. So we'll see where he lands at down the road, but he has a lot of work to do going forward. But I will say this, guys. The thing that I love about this roster is there's only two players on it from the guard packs era. So AK and Mark Eversley have done a great job eradicating this roster from the team and that culture that was on it before. So I'm just excited. And that's why I was kind of looking at Shaq's comments like, look, let, let it play out. Let, let's see what this team could do out there. Don't, don't poo-poo it, bro, before we've even tipped off. We didn't even got to October 20th yet. You were already counting us out. Relax. <laughs> yeah, you need to relax. But the thing is, like you all said, he recognized what we're doing over here. The other thing I want to just touch on, Prez, when you get Shaq attention, you must be doing something right, though, in general. You must be doing something right because Shaq just don't call out anybody. You a bum team or bum players, Shaq could bypass you quickly, right? You're not on his radar. So the fact that we there, uh, we got his attention, we out there, got a good team now, we get a chance to show Shaq up. When last time we had to be able to say that we can show Shaq up? I'm going to take advantage of that opportunity right now. So, hey, Shaq could turn out to be wrong, you know, so in the next few years or next year or even this year. We'll see how it all plays out. But we got a chance, though, with this loaded team. TNT Bulls. So when when it's TNT time, oh, man, yeah, they're going to come and uh, send a message to Shaq. That's what I'm trying to tell you, DC. I brought that up on a previous episode. 
the world's going to remember what them TNT bulls are all about. So that's all I'm going to say. Shaq, <laughs> pay attention, son. <laughs> if fans don't let ready. you forget, fans don't let you forget at all. We ain't going to let you forget. <laughs> don't let the bulls get out to a hot stop, boy, please. We're going to be adding him every chance we get on this damn podcast. <laughs> I agree with you there, friends, no doubt. And then you're going to have to do another one of them general commercials. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas, let's get to the point here to show that a lot of our DeBarris Central's listeners have come over to listen to. And that is going to be our week one preview of our upcoming matchup against the Los Angeles Rams. Our Chicago Bears are back. We've been talking about the draft. We have been talking about training camp. We have been talking about preseason games. We've been talking about Justin Fields versus Andy Dalton. Well, guess what, fellas? Sunday night, we got the Rams on the schedule. Primetime TV, fellas. A-Dub, kick us off, bro. What do our listeners need to know about the L.A. Rams? L.A. Rams, they got Matthew Stafford over there. Um, You already know he came from Detroit. You get a chance to see what he looks like with the Rams. I'm looking forward to seeing I mean, not a bad quarterback at all. But he's with the right coaches with McVay. And McVay is a very good coach out there. So I'll tell you, man, this is going to be an interesting game. I know our Bears probably be ready. I hope our defense is ready for this year. Our hands full with this team. So it's going to be an interesting game for us. Now, the point that you just made, and, and, and I'm going to let DC get in here in a second, but you talked about Matt Stafford. Now, I will tell you this. When the Rams made that trade to bring him over, a lot of people said they mortgaged their future to do so. But I felt like the Rams made the best deal that they could because at this point, you got to go all in because what are they waiting on? This is their best opportunity to win a Super Bowl. And Matt Stafford, to me, gives them that best chance. And now, as you mentioned, A-Dub, with McVay actually having a quarterback that he can utilize in Matt Stafford versus what he had in golf last season, this Rams team, I think a lot of people are giving them the respect that they deserve. Matt Stafford has always been a very solid quarterback, but I think now with him being around an office of mine like McVay, but also these weapons on this Rams offense, it it may be a tough, tough game for our Bears. Yeah, it's going to be tough, Perez. You know, um, Cupper, he's over there, the wide receiver. He's been great. I mean, they got a loaded wide receiver group, I will say, Perez, that that really lights out. So I think we, we got our hands full with that group. If you look at it, Matthew Stafford now has this is like lethal weapon, uh, <laughs> lethal weapon five. Literally. Like, this is like <laughs> he's got tools uh, in his arsenal now. So just coming over there, knowing the strong defense that they have, and now he can lead them uh, on the off- offensive side of the ball. Man, this could be a really dangerous team. Yeah, because to your point, okay, in Detroit, he played behind some really awful offensive line. But this Rams team, they got a brand new starting offensive line. They got a brand new tight end. And then to the point that you made A-Dub, they got Cooper Cup. To the point that you made D.C. Deshaun Jackson. But let's not forget about Robert Woods and Van Jefferson. They are loaded at the wide receiver position. Let's not forget about the fact that that playbook of Sean McVay, he is an offensive wizard. He's what Matt Nagy thinks that he is. I'm just being honest here. Sam <laughs> McVay just knows how to dial up plays. He actually made uh, golf look like a decent quarterback last season. That was the genius of a McVay. 
And so when I look at this matchup, I'll say, on offense, this Rams team is loaded, and it's going to be a really big-time test for our Bears team because, A-Dub, we've talked a lot about our Bears defense and that secondary. We got Kendall Vildor that's going to be starting at corner opposite of Jalen Johnson. That secondary is going to be tested early and often in that ball game, and it's going to be very important for us to get some sort of a pass rush and make sure that Stafford is uncomfortable because if he's comfortable back there, he's going to pick our defense apart. Yeah, Prez. I mean, you all hit it right on the head with those weapons, Woods, Cup, and Jefferson. Those guys are really good, and our secondary going to have to really step their game up. And matter of fact, Prez, if we can't rely on our secondary to do their job, we're really going to need our D-line to really, really play an integral part because if they can't get no pressure, like you said, on Matt Stafford, man, he can pick us apart. That's right. No time. Give this man no time. You know, just three and out. You know, just 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 let that just be the goal there because because Matt Stafford, you you saw what he did. Let, look at last season. You know, the Bears fortunately had that twenty one point comeback, but he was carving them up. He was slicing mm-hmm. up. So yes, sir. so let's let's just let's try to get this man off the field as often as possible. And let's just call it what it is. Matt Stafford has a fucking arm, and he can sling that shit. And that's something that always worried me. Now, A-Dub and I, we talked about it last season on the Bears Central's podcast, and I called Matt Stafford at the time. I said, you know what, A-Dub? He's a mediocre kind of so-so quarterback. But when I made that comment, I was making that in the scope of the type of team that he was on because he was in a bad scheme. He didn't have the type of weapons around him. But now on this damn Rams team, I feel like this is the perfect fit for him. And I'm really... Looking forward to seeing how our defense matches up against those guys. Well, like we all said, Press, we got our hands full defensively, man. And um, that's going to be a tough test for us. So if our defense can hold up, Press, be very strong, put a lot of pressure, you know, play very physical, maybe we can get Matthew Stafford out of his element. And that's going to be a key factor there. And let's not forget about the fact that at the running back spot, they just traded for Sonny Michelle. And they got him from the, uh, from the New England Patriots. And now that's another weapon that they're adding to this offense. And he's going to complement what they have in Daryl Henderson. So now you got two shifty backs that our defense is going to have to contend with. And so now we talk about the fact that Danny Trevathan is going to miss a few weeks. So we're starting the season with Roquan Smith and Alec Ogletree there at inside linebacker. It's going to be very imperative to make sure that our inside linebackers are going to be able to cover these running backs out of the backfield. We're really going to need Alex Ogletree to really step up, Perez, to do some of the things he was doing in training camp. If he can show us some of that, Perez, and good coverage, make some good plays, even get some turnovers, that will be great for him, man. A great start if he can do that. Yeah, and as you mentioned, Sean McVay, man, just being an offensive wizard, it's it's really going to be a guessing game because I I know the Rams are going to try to mix it up, you know, on the short game run. It's really going to be interesting to watch, but again, the running game, like you mentioned, like it, they have weapons, man. They have so many ways they can they could beat this team, but the defense is really going to have to uh, be alert and and be aware of uh, of of who's of who of who's on the field and, and and pretty much like not get caught like a deer in headlights, basically. Yeah, and another thing too for our listeners to think about: this Rams defense is coming in here. They were ranked first in the NFL last year in 2020. Now you'll probably say. Oh, it might be hard for them to repeat to do that again in 2021. Well, guess what? Even if they ain't number one, this is still a top five defense. And they got that man number 99 
Aaron Donald coming in to play our team, he is a bad, bad man. You talk about a guy who could be defensive player of the year, and then you add the outside linebacker, one of them that came from us, Leonard Floyd, right, who done a good job for them. It's like his game has elevated playing with this team. So they're still a, still a tough defense, man, Def- defensive line, and also got linebackers to go along with, go along with them. So that's going to be tough. And our offensive line got a tough task dealing with these guys, Chris. Yeah, Aaron Donald, the way he's playing, he's like he's playing himself right into a Hall of Fame career. Oh, yeah, facts. So he really, really got to give your hats off to this man because I would love to see him in a Bears jersey, but <laughs> I, I doubt that'll ever happen. Yeah, probably not. The Rams would be fools to let him go. But we've seen crazier things because I would have never thought that Khalil Mack would be in the Bears uniform. So you never know. You never know. (laughs) Now, one thing that I do know, and our listeners are going to probably hold me responsible for making sure that I explain this. Now, that Rams defense doesn't have Brandon Staley anymore. So I want to make sure that we point that out. So they probably won't be as dominant, but it's still a really good unit. But then also, that secondary, they lost Troy Hill and they lost John Johnson III. So now, our Bears offense, we've been debating it all summer, whether it should be Justin Fields, whether it should be Andy Dalton. Well, we know they're sticking with Andy Dalton. They made the guy a promise. So here we are. So now, we get Andy Dalton in this offense going against this Rams defense. And I'm just going to say, just my viewpoint that I've shared with you guys for this entirety of this offseason, I do feel confident and comfortable with Andy Dalton being that QB1 going up against this team. I did not want us to throw Justin Fields out there in this situation, but I want to get you guys' thoughts there on how you think Andy Dalton's going to perform against this Rams defense. Well, Perez, I don't know how he's going to perform. I really don't, because part of it does depend on the offensive line and what they can do, uh, how much pressure the, does the Rams put on um, Andy Dalton. And that's something we don't know just yet. We really want to see our offensive line perform. I believe he can have a good game against these guys. We do have offensive weapons. A lot of speed, Perez, on this offense that I think Andy Dalton can take advantage of. So if he gets into a good rhythm, he could have a good game. I feel like Andy Dalton is going to have to come in and establish, uh, you know, his his guys, his targets. I mean, I, I, if I'm him, I'm targeting Cole Komet. You know, I'm getting some type of rapport, some type of like just just quick, easy passes to him just for just quick yardage. But it is his job to lose. And he knows this. And like you said, A-Dub, it really is going to come down to that offensive line. So it's it's a matter of, hey, you throw him out there week one against the Rams, is he the sacrificial uh, Lamb D. Dalton? You know what I mean? Like, is he going <laughs> out there, there. <laughs> just to take the, take the hits just so that Justin Fields, who's waiting in the wings, can come in and shine on Sunday night football? You know, sometimes those stories write themselves, but we shall see. Okay, well... Great points that you guys both made. I want to park it right here on the part with the offensive line because I think that's the part of this matchup that worries me the most. So we thought that Tevin Jenkins was going to be our starting left tackle. Right. Didn't happen. He's sidelined with the back injury. Now, we got Jason Peters is coming in here. And honestly, I think he's better suited than any of the other backup options that we have. But let's be honest. He's still 39 years old. And he allowed a lot of sacks last season. Even if he does hold up, let's talk about Jermaine Effetti at the other tackle position. He struggled a bit this offseason, had some injuries. So this is going to be a major test to see if these guys can hold up. Now, 
Let's also think about the guy in the middle, number 99, Aaron Donald. We're going to have to double team him. So now if, with us double teaming him, that's going to open it up for someone else on that defensive line for the Rams to make plays. Are we confident that our tackles can hold up with, if we have to double team Aaron Donald? That's the question. That's a very good question, Perez. And I don't know just yet. Because you know, understand that when it comes down to those guys holding up, how long they got to wait? How long they got to hold their man? You got to think about these plays that Nagy always designed to press and how long it takes for those to open up. So that's going to play a part too. The play caller is going to be, hey, how offensive line work and then how Nagy create these plays to help get the ball off quicker and faster. So we got a couple of things here that's going to play out. We have not been pleased with the offense, even in preseason press, until we saw Justin Fields. But we have, for the most part, been pleased early on. So I think that's going to be a challenge itself. And when we're talking speed here, we know who is going to win out in terms of quarterback play. And that's Justin Fields. You know, he's, he's very agile. Andy Dalton, not as much. So I feel like it could be a game where we're looking at a tale of two halves. Let's just say Andy Dalton, you know, throws a couple interceptions, gets sacked. You know, like if Nagy, if Nagy really wants to, keep coaching this team moving forward. He may have to switch it up as early as game one and bring in Justin Fields. Well, I wouldn't be shocked if he does it. We but, saw him We saw him pull Mitch Trubisky in that Falcons game after he threw a pick, and that was the quickest hook for a quarterback that was 2-0 I've ever seen in my life. So stranger things have happened. That's all I'll say. Yeah, and D.C., you, you may not be wrong there, but one thing I will add to what you're saying is Coach McVay, Said he's preparing for both quarterbacks. He's not just preparing for Andy Dalton. He's also preparing for Justin Fields as well. So he's already got his mindset. There's a possibility possibility that Justin Fields could be playing in that, in that game. Well, shit, any coach or coordinator worth their salt would be doing the same thing. You would be doing your a team a disservice if you didn't prepare for the fact that Justin Fields may end up playing in this game. And I think to DC's point, if Andy Dalton stinks it up in the first half, which I don't want to happen, but if it does happen, there is a situation that they may end up going to Justin Fields. So I think that Andy Dalton has going to, he's going to be on a very, very short lease because the fan base, we all saw that Justin Fields was the better quarterback. I don't care how much Matt Nagy tried to water down Justin Fields play calling. That man still rolls to the top because that's what cream does. It rises to the top, ladies and gentlemen. So at the end of the day, you could only hold Justin Fields back for so long before he becomes to a point where the team is looking at you like, bro, what are you doing? <laughs> Get this kid on the field. <laughs> right. And here's the other thing here, Perez, that you and I talked about before, is that Justin Fields can extend plays. That's something Andy Dalton is probably not that great at doing at this age. He's older, right? Can't run as fast. And Justin Fields has that lightning speed there, Perez, to where he can do that. So if the line is a big problem, Andy Dalton can't, can, can't work with that, it can be a problem there. That's a fair point, but I think where that comes down to, because you are talking about two different quarterbacks with two different skill sets. Now, what Andy Dalton does have is he's been able to read all these type of defenses in the NFL. He understands how to run an NFL offense. So Andy Dalton's not going to be confused by blitzes and things that are going to be coming in. He's going to be able to read coverages. So those are the things that you're going to get with Andy Dalton being a veteran quarterback. However, it's going to come down to Matt Nagy calling plays like he has some fucking sense. Exactly. Running the ball with David Montgomery and keeping his Rams defense off base, keeping them off tempo. Because let's also remember the fact that they got Jalen Ramsey 
in that secondary. And he was chirping a lot in the offseason. Right. But that's still a good fucking corner. I think you hit the good point there. They still got a good corner. Uh, the play calling is going to be a critical component of this year. And you also mentioned about the running game. Our running game is going to have to be better. I mean, we haven't looked good all preseason to me. So we're going to have to step our game up uh, for that to happen. But I don't want to see Andy Dalton out there gunslinging because that's going to be bad for us. That's the case. Yeah, I feel like that's pick city. You know, you don't want to just have him one-dimensional out there. We definitely have to utilize that run game. Yes, sir. So score prediction for week one, Bears versus Rams. I will say 17-16 Bears. Woo-hoo-hoo. A-dub. 17-16 win. The Bears. DC, talk to him. Jeez. Something's telling me 27-23 Bears. Whew. All right, I'm going to be the the lone dissenter here. <laughs> I have the Rams 31, and I have the Bears 23. That's painful for me to admit, but listen, I left my emotions uh, outside. I wanted to make sure when I came inside and recorded in the studio that I was giving <laughs> the listeners my honest, hardcore feedback. 31-23 Rams, it's painful to, for me to say that, but as long as Andy Dalton is the quarterback on this team, I just don't see us winning these type of matchups. I just don't. I hear your point, Perez. I just hope our Bears can come out and shock the world, baby. We'll see. Sunday night, I can't wait. I'm already fired up, bro. I can't wait. I already got, man, listen, I, I put up a new projector downstairs, man, for this for this game. I can't wait. I've been waiting for football, bro. I, I, last year, we had football. But this year, it just hits different. You got the fans back. It just feels like a whole different vibe, man. I just cannot wait, fellas. I can't wait. <laughs> I can see it right now, Priz. You you gonna have uh, <laughs> wait for it the 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 popcorn like Michael Jackson in a thriller theater. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, fellas, let's get into the Chicago Sky. A Dub, they clinched the playoff spot. Congratulations to those ladies. I'm gonna be very excited to watch them in the WNBA playoffs, fellas. Talk to the audience. How are you feeling about this team heading into these playoffs? Hopefully get some good rest going into it. I know when our girls can play, when they're not tired, <laughs> they can play very well, extremely well. They are a championship caliber team, and I think they'll do well in the playoffs. They're really built for that, Perez, for sure. Just watch Candace Parker, you know, Ali, you know, the team, you know how they are, man. These ladies can really play. And I'll tell you, watch them play against the last year's champs and how they play very well against them lets me know that, hey, they can pre-compete with anybody in the playoffs, Perez. Yes, they definitely can. Great point, A-Dub. And it's it's interesting because all they needed to do was just get in. And now that that's, that's not a, you know, a question, they can really do some damage. So now, you know, as we see the, the end of the season start to, to take shape, you know, just be smart about the lineups. You're already in there. You know what kind of damage you could do. You can beat the best of the best. So just, you know, just play play everything smart from, from here on out. No, I agree with that point there, DC, because like you said, we got the spot lined up. So we're joining the, the Connecticut Sun, the Las Vegas Aces, the Minnesota Lynx, the Seattle Storm, and the Phoenix Mercury. These are all teams that are fucking this. They're, they're disgustingly good, right? However, I feel very confident about how our ladies match up with these other teams. But to the point that you made, DC, it's going to be very imperative for Coach Wade to continue to tweak those lineups, find the right combination heading into the playoffs, but also making sure that he's giving Candace Parker 
the, the required rest. So that way she's not going into the playoffs limping around. We want to make sure that we're preserving health. And also, let's be honest, Dana Evans, the backup point guard, she's been huge. And we need to continue to find people like that that can step up because as you're going down the stretch, you need people like that that's going to be able to give you some valuable minutes. But then because she'll be able to spill Courtney Vandersloot to kind of keep her fresh going down the stretch as well. Yeah, you're right about that. You know, if Vandersloot start to slow down a little bit from them loading up on her press, we got a backup that can come and do the job. Copper. There's nobody out there that can stop her one-on-one press. I think she's going to probably be the X factor, not to us, because with Chicago, we know her very well. But to those who are watching, like, hey, they don't recognize the truth in her, how great she really is. So I'm looking forward to see how she plays in this playoff. I know we've had a lot of Shaq talk on this <laughs> episode, but uh, like he always says, it's, it's about the others, too. You know, so, the, you know, the Diamond, the Shields, Stephanie Dawson, like, y'all got to come in and be a star in your role. So whatever is asked of you, just go out there, do it. It's all about a team effort at this point because y'all got championship aspirations. Like, this is not a, you know, one-and-done type of team. You got uh, one of the GOATs on your team, Candace Parker. So that comes with championship aspirations. Yeah, you yeah. hit it right the head. Yeah, and I think that's just really important. With any team going into the playoffs, as, as you both mentioned, it's important for the others. Anybody that listens to the show, you hear us talk about Candace. You hear us talking about Kalia Copper. You hear us talking about Courtney Vandersloot, uh, Allie Quigley. But it's going to be imperative that Stephanie Dolson's and other of these players on the roster are stepping up at the right time, especially here down the stretch. And that's why I wanted to bring up the name of Dana Evans because she's someone that they that joined the team in June and has been giving us some really solid minutes. And so those, it's going to be really important to see down the stretch how Coach Wade's able to kind of keep this lineup in a way to keep everyone fresh. Yeah, Perez. And the other part you mentioned about these others, man, when Steven's been in the lineup, man, she has done phenomenal, Perez. Underrated, good defender, good rebounder. She can make shots too, man. So just seeing, like you said, these others out there on this team, they can really play. They can fill a lot of void. And once they all get hot, when they all get hot together, they are unbeatable. Fair point. Oh, shit. Speaking of, of a team that was hot and, and unbeatable, and it's pain, it pains me to admit this, mm-hmm. but A-Dub's AAA Cubs. <laughs> uh, oh, 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 so we graduated from double-A to, to the triple-A? Yeah, y'all had a seven-game <laughs> winning streak, so y'all, y'all, y'all got elevated this week. Hey, look, I'll, I'll take that. But, hey, you saw what's been going on, that seven-game win streak. Hey, man, my boy uh, Frank the Tank. Frank the Tank, Schwindel. Got really hot, man. I saw it. Mr. Grand Slam, I saw yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, man. Put it up there, man. He's been killing for us, man. And 33 games, he's been betting around 374 or something like that, man. He's been lights out, putting up big hits, man, after the sixth inning. I mean, home runs you saw. Hits you saw, you know, putting us in the league, giving us the lead. So this guy really have been, man, doing a lot of damage for us. And he became player of the week, Perez. So if you player of the week, you can't be triple A, brother. Give us a little more credit than that, my brother. Relax, hey, Dub. Take the take the triple A. <laughs> you hear uh, how excited he got? <laughs> you so excited for a last place team. Relax, hey, Dub. Hey, look, man, I don't care if we last place or whatever, baby. I'm going to take the seven-game win streak. I'll tell you that much. I don't <laughs> care where we are. We're fine. We're rolling with it, baby. It ain't all bad on the, on the north side. That's all I got to say. <laughs> 
I'm just happy to hear that energy back in A Dub's voice on these Cubs segments, man. Because it's been it's been pretty doom and gloom the last few uh, few episodes. So <laughs> seven game wins. I'm I'm happy for you, A Dub. I really am. I'm glad you are, man. I'm glad you are, brother. I'm happy too, for sure. You know, you know what? Not only am I happy for A Dub, but I'm also happy for Wilson Contreras because I felt bad for him. I was like, they had traded all these players. And they kept Wilson Contreras on the team. And he was the one before the All-Star break that was showing frustration. He was pissed off because he's like, dude, what's going on with these teammates of mine? They're not fucking hustling. They're not doing what needs to happen. But I will say this. Wilson Contreras, even though he's one of the few remaining pieces on this core that from that 2016 team, this guy seems like he's still locked in. He believes in this team. And you love to see that type of leadership. So I'm going to give Wilson Contreras his flowers. Because, man, that's a lot to ask a proud veteran to be on a team that you know is going nowhere fast. Well, hey, you know what? Hey, that's the good thing with having vets, Perez. He's a vet now. He won a championship. He's a vet. And actually he's trying to help lead these guys, like you said. So, you know, salute to him, you know, for being a leader and stepping up to his game to work with these guys here. And being the catcher, I'm all for that, man. Yeah, coming down the stretch, you know, that's what you need. You just need a guy that can can – that the guys can rally around because everybody knows it's a losing season. They know the, the transitions that's taking place, but you got a vet like that in there that can, uh, can just, you know, just shine a light and say, Hey, you know, you know, we, we, we're making progress here and he could just echo that. Absolutely. So I'm happy for that, but you know what? He ain't the only one, you know, Shrendale wasn't the only one. I got to salute one more guy, Perez, really quickly. I got to give Ian Happ a lot of credit because I'll say his last 22, 23 games, man, this kid been batting out there, hitting over 300, eight home runs, 20 RBIs, 20-plus. He's been doing a good job. So salute to Ian Happ. I know the average don't look good, look promising at this point, but I'll give him credit for the last 20-plus games he played. Yeah, I give him a slow clap. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Salute to you, Ian Happ. Congratulations. Now, <laughs> if we got any DBE listeners that are held over from that Bears segment, I want to let you guys know that this next segment is the most popular segment of the Chicago State of Mind podcast. And it's when we turn the conversation over to the first place Chicago White Sox. Who? The first place Chicago White Sox. Now, I know you wouldn't know nothing about that. And A-Dub, I told you many times on this show. <laughs> watch it, man, when it comes to these White Sox, bro. I'm telling you, watch it. Now, listeners. The magic number is down to 17 on this team right now. 17, 79 and 58 record. Now, I'm not going to just give you guys a list of all the players that are doing well on the team because guess what? We'll be talking on this podcast for five hours. You don't want to hear that. (laughs) What we are going to talk about, though, is down the stretch with this team, what I'm concerned about. And then I want to give you guys his thoughts on what you're thinking about this team. But the only thing that I'm worried about potentially is our pitching rotation. Because right now, you got Lance Lynn, who's missing a start because he had a short IL stint. Lucas Giolito's also going on the IL. And then we also have had Dallas Keuchel, who struggled a lot on the back half Mm. of this season, right? Mm. So now, I know that when it comes down to it, we'll be able to put together a really solid four because you'll have Lynn, you'll have Giolito, you'll have Dylan Cease. So you'll have some guys there that's going to really be able to do what needs to happen in the playoffs. And also, don't forget about Carlos Rodon. So Dallas Keuchel may end up just being a guy in the playoffs that may be like a guy that they throw in as a long reliever or something along those lines. 
But I want to get you guys' thoughts on this White Sox team holistically heading into the back stretch of the season here. Well, you know what, Perez, as I mentioned before, you guys have a playoff team, you know, a loaded team at that. You hit on the head about what you said about the pitching staff. That's going to be the most important thing they can get right. I think you guys can get over the edge and, and make some things happen. You got the hitters. No problem there. I think you guys think about resting some of your good guys that you have. So I think that's a good thing, too. You want to go into this uh, playoffs being strong and healthy as well. So that's going to be a, a major factor for your team getting the proper rest. So I think that's going to be uh, critical. But you hit a good point when you talk about the pitching staff. What are you guys are going to do there? You said about Dallas, right? We saw him struggle a lot. So he may be somebody you all thinking that, hey, maybe you can't hold your own. But one thing I will say about baseball in general, press when it comes to the playoffs, all you really need is two or three good starters, man. And you're good to go when it comes to that and have a great bullpen. So whether he with you guys or not, I wouldn't worry too much about Dallas. Hey, Dub, I mentioned four other guys. So I, see that this is the thing. We got an embarrassment of riches on this roster. That's a humble brag. But my point about that is you make a good point. Come playoff time, sometimes you only need two or three. But guess yeah. what? We got the luxury that we got four. You know what I mean? We got four. Yeah, okay. All right. All right. They got to prove it, too, in the playoffs. They prove it in the regular season. I give them that. But the playoffs is going where you got to where you make the money at. So let's see if they can still do, the, do their job there. But you want to go in, you know, when you get to the playoffs, you want to come bring your A game. So if you guys can do that, Perez, then, hey, I will give you more kudos than what I've been giving you guys. But until then, I ain't got shit to say. <laughs> I know, I, listen, I know you ain't got nothing to say because your team ain't going nowhere fast. <laughs> He over here getting all lathered up about Frank Schwindel. You ain't heard of Frank Schwindel fucking one month ago. And then you over here all lathered up. Frank Schwindel. Frank Schwindel. Frank the Tank, baby. Frank the Tank. Put some respect on his name, Prez. You better do that. No. But I am going to put some respect on my boy Lewis Roberts' name. That man right there. <laughs> that boy right there, he a bad motherfucker, boy. He's a bad motherfucker. He is. Watching him on defense, whenever a ball goes to the gap or towards the gap, I got no fear that he's going to not catch that ball. He gets to everything, dude. He catches everything. And I'm telling you, having somebody like that in your outfield, especially when you got Jimenez out there attempting to play left field, which I'm not trying to come from my boy because he's not a left fielder. <laughs> we know that. <laughs> the guy, ain't, hey, look, when they putting him out there in the outfield, something always happens to wake him possibly get hurt. So you all need to be careful with that. That's Just true. But, how, but however... Lewis Robert covers that ground for him. And, guess what? and guess what? He does. We appreciate that the Cubs gave us Eloy. Now, I was a little nervous there because this week he get, he took a foul ball in the dugout. He got hit in the knee. And I'm going to say this to our listeners. I am so sick of that Oakland Coliseum. That stadium is a piece of fucking shit. Everybody <laughs> sits here and talks about, oh, man, this place is a relic. They don't even have fucking banisters and railings up. You got players that are just getting hit with line drives and shit. What kind of stadium is that? Safety hazard. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> Somebody gonna get hurt. <laughs> what are we doing in Oakland now? Come on now. Knock it off. Put oh, some relics up. They game up. So there's no they they can't get hyphy in there, man. They gotta have equipped facilities. <laughs> 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 Good Shut point up. there, DC. <laughs> this is the thing though. Eloy, he's going to be fine, man, because come playoff time, you can DH him unless you're playing against a team that you can't DH. And guess what? He's going to have to play in the field. But that's a guy who's bad that we want in the lineup. So Eloy wants to still play in the field. Sometimes bad things happen when he's out there. But guess what? When you got a guy like Lewis Robert in the center field, he makes a guy like that look less of a liability out there in left field. So Lewis Robert is somebody that I'm really high on. And I think come October, 
he's going to let a lot of people that watch baseball know who he is. Perez, you are right about that. I'll give you this. I'm going to give you this. You know, I'm not going to beat down your boys. But Lewis Roberts has been great, really has been, since coming off the injury. I mean, the kid been hitting very well. Like you said, his defense has been on top notch. He looks like an all-star, no doubt. So if he continue on that tear, Perez, I have no doubt, man, you guys could advance with a guy like that. I know it takes a team to, to get that far, but having him playing the way he's been playing, I mean, you can't beat that at all, brother. That's it's incredible, man. The future is bright for this team. So, listeners, if you don't know, now you know. You need to go check out the Chicago White Sox. Go go to a game. Like, seriously, there's no other experience like a game, to to quote uh, my man Prez, at the sale. Because we just haven't adopted that rate yet. No. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, nope. It ain't the they, sale they, anymore. <laughs> I, I still, I, I'm still emotionally attached to to, to the cell, man. It's, it's something about that. Yeah, I, I feel you. But some people still attached to Kaminsky too, right, Perez? No, I, I see. I'm, I'm. Um, when I by the time I came around, when it came to the park, it was just a cell for me. When I was like, okay. actually going to the game, going to the game. But mm-hmm. you're right. There are some old heads. They'll say it's Kaminsky to me. Well, <laughs> well, by the time I came around, it was just a cell. So yeah, that's, fair enough. that's what I that's what I rock with. But this team that's about to win the World Series is going to be known as, as that 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 rate <laughs> that top rated team. <laughs> no pun intended. That team hitting that G spot all day. You know what I'm saying? Hitting that G <laughs> spot all day. <laughs> Guaranteed. <laughs> Going deep. <laughs> there they go. There they go. Listeners, final segment time. If this city could talk, and mine is going to be a very simple and short one today. If this city could talk, it would ask the driver that was responsible for that Rigneyville hit and run accident a few weeks ago to come forward. If anyone that's listening to this podcast knows this person, has any information on this person's whereabouts, please reach out to law enforcement. If this city could talk, it would remind us all how difficult and how short life is and how we have to take advantage of our opportunities and live life to the fullest. But this accident, loss of life, and severe injuries to a second person. So if this city could talk, the driver that was responsible, please turn yourself in. Do the right thing. Hey, good point there, Perez. If this city could talk, it would say those of you who experienced loss of loved ones this past weekend, this past month in Chicagoland area, that's now related to COVID, I do pray and sympathize with you guys. I've heard a lot of people that I know who lost people this past week, Press, within the Chicagoland area. And it's been sad. But I will say to those who are in Chicago, this city could talk. It's important that we continue to love each other, talk to each other, and reach out to each other and show love. Great points, guys. If this city could talk, you know, as we opened up the episode, I talked about the fact that I've got one of my children at home doing e-learning because of a positive test. The, the pediatric cases are on the rise. Um, let's just continue to be aware of what's going on, be safe, protect each other. And then just on a lighter note, you know, that whole lockdown idea, you know, some of it did have its perks, like not a lot of traffic on the roads. And I'm just saying, you know, I'm tired of sitting in traffic. Chicago traffic, where are all these people coming from is my question. I know there are a lot of people moving to Chicago. I know there are a lot of people that love the city of Chicago. I love the city of Chicago. Prez loves Chicago. A-Dub loves Chicago. We all love Chicago. Sometimes y'all just, you know, stay at home. 
You know, some sometimes you know, like it's, it's just, just just stay home and just enjoy your house, enjoy your enjoy your spaces. You know, like just make it a little easier on us out here, so we don't have these, uh, you know, unfortunate uh, cases going up and you know accidents, things of that nature. So, guys, just continue to be safe, take care of each other, love each other. That's it. Hey, well said, fellas. Audience, thanks so much for the support of the podcast. It's been a great run so far. These first 12 episodes, man, it's been a fun journey with you guys. We've been appreciating the, the words of encouragement from our listeners and the kudos of you know, how they think the show is evolving and, and, and going. So we appreciate that. Keep rocking with us. We're going to keep these shows rolling out. We're going to keep the humor going. We know what you guys like, and we're going to give it to you. As always, follow us on our exclusive community on Crave It at Chicago Versus. Fellas. Appreciate the episode with y'all today, and we are out. DC, gonna sign us off, bruh. Thanks for listening to the Chicago State of Mind. You can find this show wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow or subscribe to our podcast on your platform of choice. We appreciate your support of our show. If this city could talk, it would say Michael Jordan is and always will be the greatest of all time. The GOAT. You asked all my teammates, the one thing about Michael Jordan was he never asked me to do something that he didn't fucking do. I'm only doing it because it is who I am. That's how I played the game. That was my mentality. If you don't want to play that way, don't play that way.